As a B2B marketer, it can be hard to promote a specialized product or service in the marketplace. I wanted to make that easier for marketers like you and me. So each week, I interview thought-leading CMOs and CEOs to find out what's true and what's not about B2B marketing. My name is Ray Smith, and this is B2B Growth Hacks, a podcast powered by Speakerbox Media. Today's guest is Jim Flint, the CEO and founder of Local Search Group, the number one fastest growing agency in the state of Texas. Jim is also the author of the book Car Dog Millionaire and the host of the Automotive Advertising Podcast. Jim joins us today to share his advice on lean marketing, and we also discuss non-fudgeable tokens, also known as NFTs. Hey, welcome back to B2B Growth Hacks. I'm joined today by Jim Flint. He's the founder of Local Search Group, one of Houston's top 10 marketing agencies and the host of the advertising podcast, as well as a three-time published author. Jim, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ray. Glad to be here. So Jim, looking back at your resume, you worked for two of the most iconic brands in the world. (laughs) <laughs> Nike and Toyota. And I say that because probably they're my favorite brands. Okay. I have to ask, was that strategic? Did you like want to work for those companies or did it just kind of happen by chance? You were looking for a job and those came up? The first one, Nike, was a passion. Okay. And I was basically worked in sports marketing. And one of the things or the kind of key marketing characteristics for Nike, which I still apply to really kind of everyday life, you have to be authentic. Mm-hmm. You have to be performance related and you have to be innovative, right? Not as a person, but as a product, right? As a brand, as a mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I literally carry that today. And when I was interviewing, I was so passionate about getting the job that I I literally told this story to the person who interviewed me. And and I said, there was a story about Walter Payton, Mm -hmm. who played football for the Chicago Bears and Matt Suey, and they were out camping. Suey heard a bear outside of the tent and he was worried that the bear was getting really, really, really close. And Walter Payton was really, really calm about it. And ultimately, Suey heard this and he asked Payton, why aren't you nervous? There's a bear right outside. He goes, the way I see it, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. And so I told the person at Nike, I said, I don't know who else your other candidates are, but mm. I want you to know I'll outrun whoever it is that you're considering. Wow. And I got the job. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I meant Love it. that. I mean, you know, like in an authentic way. Right, right. Yeah. It exemplifies your work ethic, right? How hard you're willing to go and how hard you're willing to work. Yeah. And you can't tell that story unless you mean that story. Yes, right. And then with Toyota, how did that, that kind of come about? I was doing really well at Nike and they offered me a job in Portland, but they were going through a consolidation phase and it was... We'll do you. You can be a consultant or a contractor for ninety days. And Jim, you're a good guy, and this whole thing's going to work out. Mm-hmm. And I started interviewing in other places. And automotive happened to be one of those categories that I landed a job. And so mm. I spent some time at corporate with different brands, but Nissan and Mazda. But then ultimately moved to Houston with mm-hmm. Toyota, mm-hmm. and really have enjoyed working with them not only at a tier two and a tier three, but a tier one level as well. My gosh, so. You start your company, Local Search Group, and, and I want to know like how those experiences while working with Toyota and Nike have kind of influenced your business and, and the way you do business. In terms of employees, mm-hmm. if somebody has a corporate background and an agency background, they mm-hmm. immediately move to the top. 
Mm. Right. Because understanding that in corporations, your job is to prevent failure. Mm. Right. And then in agencies, it's to promote growth. Wow. So the place where those two things come together is the concept of controlled growth. And that was the thing that I had to pick up at Toyota that I wouldn't have necessarily been able to apply elsewhere unless I had the actual experience. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when you're really excited about something, you go in and you go fast and you go hard and you go big and then you go home and you're exhausted. Yes. But in terms of controlled growth, it's how do I continue to iterate? How do I continue to improve? Because realistically, you're never done. Mm -hmm. And when you say controlled growth, what do you kind of mean by that? Well, let's take it from a metrics perspective. Mm -hmm. One of the key measures for automotive is market share. Mm. So if I can get the Camry, for example, to be 11.2% of vehicle sales, mm-hmm. my real deal the next year is not to get to 20%. It's mm-hmm. can I get to 11.3 or 11.5 knowing what it is that I did to accomplish what it was that I wanted. Right. So because sometimes you can have those spectacular leaps, but if you don't understand the dynamic of how that was achieved, mm-hmm. then it's not really worth that jump moreover Mm -hmm. and i'll Mm -hmm. use this example if i were and i'm not but if i were like an olympic weightlifter Mm -hmm. and i had a chance to break a record by 50 pounds Mm. i would choose to break it 50 times one pound at a time in lieu of breaking the record once wow because i can be more excited about breaking the record each time right versus doing this amazing thing, this incredible accomplishment that I can't ever really replicate again. Exactly. I love that analogy because I'm a sports whiz. And you played a little baseball yourself. Played a little baseball in college. (laughs) Got you, got you. And basketball in high school, yeah. Really? Okay, wow. And I think a lot of things from sports actually translate over well into business. And just like you said, if I go in tomorrow and I try to lift weights like, you know, some of these pro athletes, you know, I'm not going to be lifting the same amount or try to speed up the process in some type of way, that's just not going to happen. So growth, as you're saying it, is going in the gym each day and tracking, measuring it, and not just trying to just overdo it all in one day, right? Yeah. And, and it's kind of knowing your market and your moment mm-hmm. and, and the product, because you can do the right thing at the wrong time mm-hmm. and it's still the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> Really <laughs> that's so, that sounds simple, but it's so true. No, and, and you so see it true. all the time. And a right. lot of times it happens because people believe in something. And exactly. that's okay. Right. I, I want you to believe. But that moment, right, mm-hmm. needs to match that belief. Because when they're not overlapped and aligned, it doesn't matter. The moment needs to match the belief. That's a tweetable right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's, that's, that's good. You can find me on Twitter at Jim Flint one two. There you what, go. What's your Twitter handle, Ray? Do you have one? actually don't have a Twitter. (laughs) I need to get on Twitter. Wait, do I? You know, like I started one, but it it probably doesn't. It's all good. You know, (laughs) but yeah, follow Jim. So anyways, let's talk about Kaizen. And it's a big deal at Toyota. It's a huge deal, especially right now. I think pre-pandemic or kind of when it first started, I heard a lot of marketers saying, I'm testing right now. I'm trying this out or, you know, things like that. And, you know, that got me into lean and that's yeah. where I kind of discovered Kaizen. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, it, it was about and, and kind of down that path of continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, it's interesting because Jim Farley, who is now the CEO of Ford Motor Company, he was who I worked for on a regional basis. He was Mm -hmm. like the national marketing guy for Toyota. And he moved over to Ford. And, you know, I've continued to track his path in terms of what he's doing. 
the Kaizen philosophy comes from Japan, mm -hmm. but it is some a principle that certainly is benefiting right now, in my opinion, Ford, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because of his experiences. And as you look at like even the tolerances on the production of vehicles, what is it that I can do to make it just a little bit better? And right now in marketing, like to shift gears real fast, because it mm -hmm. is about the production of vehicles that we're talking about today. Right. It's am I A B testing? Mm. And am I ever really done, right? Because if I have one set of creative that works better here, mm -hmm. am I then iterating after I did the A-B test to find out, oh, this one worked better, what's my next iteration, right? What's my next color? What's my next marketing moment? What's my next product? What's my next mm -hmm. seasonal holiday that I need to align with, mm -hmm. right? And that's the thing about marketing. There's, there's next, it's mm -hmm. coming. And then map all that together with societal changes and you've got a very exciting environment, but mm -hmm. it's not for the faint of heart. No. If you want to be done, this is the wrong space. Oh, right? you, wow. Kaizen encourages you to keep growing and to keep getting better and to keep improving. And, and if that's the way you want to be in life, then it is the right space for you. Exactly. I love that continuous improvement. It, it never stops. It doesn't. And I think some people get into anything, really, and they have a beginning and an end where life is just continuous growth. So... I guess kind of to circle back around, if you can give me a way that you actually apply it right now, even in your business, can you kind of give an example of that? Well, sure. We we have a, a marketing coordinator, Sarah, who, mm -hmm. who's joined the team. She's here today in mm -hmm. studio. And hey, what's up, Sarah? Hey, Sarah. Give a shout out <laughs> to Sarah. And, and we are taking a presentation that we're making for a dealership. Mm -hmm. And we went through a process where even pre-presentation, mm -hmm. we went through multiple iterations, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. went through that kind of role play of here's what the presentation will look like, here's what it'll sound like, we're gonna mm -hmm. anticipate some questions. And so we iterated before we even walked in the room. Mm -hmm. Then we have the meeting, mm -hmm. and then we iterate for the second round of meetings mm -hmm. so that we can secure that book of business because in that iteration, we're listening to what it is that the feedback is mm -hmm. providing. And that's a beautiful thing about consumers today. Okay. We get more feedback than ever before, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to channel it, you have to hear it, you can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to determine which things you can act upon successfully mm -hmm. and adjust accordingly. And then you, you'd look at that experience and it's onto itself and you say, well, we either win or we lose that business. Mm -hmm. But there's also another client, very similar path, right? Where we are doing very similar things in another market mm -hmm. where you have similar concepts that we're presenting. So we're going through that continuous improvement in that particular instance, but it's really continuous improvement off of the baseline that we established with the first client that I'm talking about. Wow. Right. And right. so that's in a, in a more of a acquisition mindset, but even mm -hmm. within a retention space, mm. what, what am I doing? Well, I mean, here, I love this one with marketers, right? Cause we, Fourth of July, you know when the Fourth of July is. Yes, it's the Fourth of July, like mm -hmm. every year. But mm -hmm. are you out in front of it, having a plan for it, preparing for it, and getting better with it from what you did in previous years? Mm -hmm. And I'll give you a great one. Mm -hmm. We have had a wonderful client, Houston Auto Show. Mm -hmm. Rochelle mm -hmm. Salinas is somebody you should absolutely have on this show. She's mm -hmm. amazing speaker. Okay. She does. She's the executive vice president. Okay, and she's our client. And after each year we do a Kaizen event where as a team, we look at the things that we did and we definitely acknowledge the things that we did well. We give mm. ourselves credit, but then we look at it through the lens of what is it that we maybe missed on? What is it that we could do better? Where could we be incrementally at that next level? 
Mm. And the thing is, we put it in this folder, electronic, mm. and then we wait because the next show isn't till the next year. Right. And then about 75 days before, mm-hmm. we go back as a team and read through what it was that we did well. So it reinforces that. But then it also, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. We totally need to be thinking down this path with social media or the ticket taking process. We could actually shave 15 seconds off of it, right? Mm-hmm. Or the optimize on the conversion that we have for the Google Analytics tag. We had it on their website, but we didn't have it on the Ticketmaster. So we need to get that installed. So you guys aren't doing this like a month before 4th of July. You you guys are doing this like right after, even though you might not have be having the meeting about the event for a few, few more months down the road, but you're having that conversation right then and there. Why is that? Well, you want to be out in front. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of the proact and the react aspect Mm -hmm. of, of marketing. Mm -hmm. And while I'm certainly capable of the crisis management that comes with things, like I worked for Toyota when the, breaking issues happened, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, so you, you deal with that, but it, given the option mm-hmm. and an ability to add tremendous value, I'd rather proact and utilize marketing strategy and really kind of set out the options and then pursue the recommended path. Got you. Because things are changing rapidly while all this has happened. It, it's incredibly dynamic. Right. I mean, more so than ever before. I'll never forget, this is a great story, at a Toyota meeting, I was working on Scion, the regional brand. Oh, wow. And we were going to do a concert. And it was later at night. And this was some of the stuff to help keep Toyota young. Mm. And at that particular event, the VP said, hey, Jim, just make sure there's no video that gets out. Mm. And this was probably 2005. So not that long ago, right? And I said, hold on. And, and I'm probably 30-something. And I'm mm-hmm. at the table with people that are, that are 50-somethings. I worked hard and I, I hustled. And they all knew that. I said, I just want you all to know that literally like – Within five minutes, any video that's captured can be sent worldwide. <laughs> right. And he looked at me like, <laughs> I'm like, nothing will get out, but I'm just telling you that's where we are, guys. Exactly. And they wanted nothing. Because remember, corporations are here to prevent failure. Prevent failure. Agencies are there to help propel growth. Mm. And the way to, to measure between the two, and this is why I love people with agency as well as corporate experience, is because controlled growth is what wins over time. My gosh, prevent failure <laughs> and promote growth. I never divvied it up like that, but that is like, where did you get there from? <laughs> Experience. I Experience, just, uh, just yeah, going it, through it. I will challenge anyone and I would love to debate it with them that sees it differently. Mm. It's not. Right. In fact, at corporations, they develop matrices, right? Multiple reporting levels at Toyota. I had to go in if I had a great idea for the Camry. Or Tundra, because mm-hmm. we were mm-hmm. launching a new Tundra truck mm-hmm. in San Antonio. I had all these brilliant ideas. And I, I would go in and I actually did market studies in San Antonio and Dallas and Houston because they were all different. And even Austin, for that matter, right? Mm-hmm. Each of the characteristics there were influenced by different factors. And it, to get something approved, I would actually have to go get the truck manager to mm-hmm. approve, mm-hmm. the marketing director to approve. Mm-hmm. I would get the incentives manager to approve. Oh I would get the distribution <laughs> manager to approve. Then I would get the vice president of marketing to approve. Then I would get the VP general manager of operations, sales operations to approve. And then I would get the president to approve. And then if I got all that, but by the way, (laughs) the power of one no meant more than all those yeses. Yes. Because I could go like, I could get 10 out of 11, but it didn't matter, right? So that is designed to prevent failure. It is encouraged to Mm. build buy-in. Right. Mm-hmm. It's to make sure everybody in the organization knows what the left and the right hands are doing. But yeah, then the, 
the 12th, the finish line, the 12th hour, the 24th mm-hmm. hour mm-hmm. was legal. Mm. That was great power. Like think right. about that. Cause yeah. then legal could on the mountaintop, even though the president had signed off, we didn't. And so what does legal, legal really just, do? Wow. Legal prevents risk. So when you put them at the top of the mountain, there was no clearer definition to me than that idea. Right. So when you're approaching clients, are you talking about the risk? No. Oh, you're not. You're not. Okay. Not at all. Okay. The only reason they hire me is to help them grow. Okay. So that's the, my sweet spot. Does it help you though, just knowing that that's their concern and how to communicate with them on, on that level of concern? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got you. Got you. I, I meet with top automotive manufacturers and I know that that is the framework. That okay. is the mindset. Right. So I have to be careful about going too far too fast. Mm. Right. Got you. But back to that story about the video getting out. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that mindset of the risk. Mm-hmm. I'm in the automotive space. So I have kind of a miles per gallon acronym that I use mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. that I'm doing one of these three things. Mm-hmm. I'm either motivating, I'm protecting, or I'm growing. And so motivating and, and growing are what I get excited about. Mm-hmm. But I get there, you know, because there is risk out there. You do have to protect. You have to protect brands. You have to protect companies. You have to protect clients, consumers, employees, right? There is a piece of that that's really important. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a smaller portion of what gets me excited about moving things forward. Got you. Also wanted to talk about you and how you give back. I mean, you just being on this interview have just <laughs> gave me just a load of information already. So I can imagine what someone like Sarah, how much game she picks up every day. Is giving back important to you? And in what ways have you started to give back? Yeah, I will say like one of the most important things we ever did as a company was define our culture. Mm-hmm. And the first round of it, we defined five key components that were critical to our company's success. Mm-hmm. Over time, we evolved and you want li- to listen to your employees engage in converse, you know, two-way conversation mm-hmm. with them. And they came back and said, you know, it's really important. And I think this was as millennial, especially like drove this and a, mm-hmm. a key group said, we need to be cognizant of charitable, mm-hmm. right? And so one of our, our sixth C became charity. Mm-hmm. And so we try to find ways to give back because we're working with really smart, talented, capable people. And we may take that for granted, right? Because mm-hmm. clients can be demanding and the stress of getting a, a campaign out or whatever the case may be. So in historical terms, we've used like one of the books that I wrote was Car Dog Millionaire. Yes. And we have- I'm, I'm into the first chapter. Okay. Yes, I am in. Yes. Uh, we give the money and it's a great book for marketers in general, mm-hmm. not just for the automotive category. It is wrapped in that blanket but mm-hmm. in terms of it's applicable to every industry like one of the things is sign up for google alerts if you that. don't yeah. hear what google is saying about the things you're interested in or the companies that you're responsible for then you're not really aware of how impactful and influential they are but mm-hmm. back to the deal we would also spend a day at the spca as a team you know working with the big dogs and the little dogs mm-hmm. and the cats. And I mean, it's really kind of this amazing experience. But more recently, and I do try to take the writings that I do, tie them back. We are sponsoring Vaughn's Vision. My mm-hmm. wife and I wrote a book called Beyond the Tailgate. Mm-hmm. And again, it's about sports and it's very Aggie oriented mm-hmm. as far as like A&M's rise through the Southeastern Conference into it. Mm-hmm. 
but what happened was we started very small and not unlike my companies, you grow and you grow and you grow over time. Mm -hmm. It really is to the point of this podcast, a story about controlled growth. Mm. Now it is embedded in relationships, yes. right? And, and how you interact with friends and family. Mm -hmm. But in today's world, as many different accounts as you might have on social media, mm -hmm. you're still one person. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And there's things in there about how to manage social media mm -hmm. toward the end mm -hmm. of the book. Mm -hmm. Because when we started, it wasn't nearly as big over the 10 year run as it was at the end. And if you didn't really have a plan, you know, for what you were going to do in social situations and how that was going to be shared with people, you may not be considering properly the space that you're working in, especially if you're in marketing and really mm -hmm. if you're in the world today. Right. Yeah. And I mean, for one, Car Dog Millionaire is just a great, the way that it's written is so good. <laughs> you know, it's not a book that's just going to throw facts out at you. No. The way that it's written, it's written really well. So I, I have to say that about it. What kind of just, inspired you to write that book? I did want to give back. I was into Google early mm -hmm. and I was into Facebook early. And what happened was I had been publishing Thought Leadership and I was watching via the cookies that were on the websites and the analytics who was tracking my stuff. And it turned out that the people that were reading it were other competitors. Mm -hmm. So I literally went dark for a year. I still mm -hmm. had the thoughts. I still had the ideas, right? They were churning. But I was like, I don't like the idea that Oh, and I'm just saying a company like Auto Trader, right? right. These big companies. And here am I, the little guy, David and Goliath. So <laughs> I went I went silent for a year and then I watched more preposterous stuff than ever get out there. Yeah. And so it was a reaction to, you know what? If they're just gonna do this, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go big, you're gonna go home. Mm. So I did go home for a year, but then I came <laughs> back and I went big and came out with a book and basically said, Here it is. Here mm. is the recipe. Mm. go now like yeah all, all things were, being were you worried about giving away too much though do you ever worry about that like, no because what was happening and this was the tipping point for me mm -hmm. there were so many wrong things being conveyed right so many inaccuracies being told mm. and so it was who could bang the drum the loudest mm -hmm. and so they weren't doing the homework they weren't doing the execution i mean it's one thing to to see my deal is i'm going to go and i'm going to spend the 30 or 40 hours i work in the platform i don't talk about google adwords i'm in the mcc i don't talk about facebook i know that there are six different marketing strategies that are the foundation of that platform that can either create reach they can create leads they can create landing page activity they can create engagement mm -hmm. and until you actually put that in the system and like run it through and measure the marketing metrics at the end of it and by that i mean cpm mm -hmm. right and then traction with clients and then go look at it interestingly enough not just from what facebook or google or i'm on TikTok and snapchat too mm -hmm. But you look at how it's happening on Google Analytics because that's the other side of the right. See, I even feel like there's a responsibility beyond the ad is what I'm telling you, you're, you're going to see actually what you do see. Yeah. You tell them to connect that in the book for that very reason. It, so it's incredibly important mm -hmm. to the consumer because if you're not and that I guess that's the thing, if you're not ecologically correct. Mm -hmm. If it's not good for the agency and the client and the consumer, mm -hmm. then it's not going to sustain. And so that's where I went back because I knew all the smoke that was being passed along just wasn't going to, there was no way it was going to sustain. It was like the article, this was during the epic <laughs> SEO era of you don't put the byline, like nobody's signing this stuff. Mm. And they're saying serving cities like Raider Houston. And yeah. Baytown and Spring and Cypress and all of a sudden you're like, how are you trying to, you're trying to like game the system. And so that was it. I had had enough of other people taking it. 
I was able to sit on the sideline and watch that I went back and say, you know what, this is a better recipe and I believe it. And believe it or not, I wrote a, the second book since we're talking about books called mm -hmm. 2020 Vision. Mm -hmm. And I will say that people do judge a book by its cover. Apparently people do not like 2020 because mm -hmm. that book has not done nearly as well as Cardog Millionaire. Cardog Millionaire continues to sell. <laughs> um, maybe because it it's was a good first book. book. I mean, even then I'm one or two chapters in, but the book isn't just about selling cars. Like he's giving you business game oh, throughout yeah. the book. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, anyone can really take something from the book so that's what i love about it sorry no no that's great and when you get to the end of it like the last chapter 17 and on are actually interactions with clients who resisted the change and a lot mm -hmm. of times in marketing or digital marketing there's so many technological advances that clients don't trust or don't believe in or don't know about and so th the whole premise of cardog millionaire was are you going to do things the old school way mm -hmm. right are you going to open up your mind and do it the new school way Mm -hmm. and, and that's what the whole thing sets you up for. Just keeping your mind open. You have right. to. Are there any organizations that you would like to highlight right now that you are currently kind of supporting? Well, the next big event we have is with Vaughn's Vision. Mm -hmm. He is a former football player at mm -hmm. not only Texas A&M, but the Denver Broncos Super Bowl MVP. Mm -hmm. And so we're sponsoring a charitable event that he's doing with the spring game for football. And Vaughn wears glasses. And so do I, but his his are pretty thick and he gives back to the community by providing not only the eye exams, but the glasses themselves for children oh. in underprivileged areas. So we give back that way. And then my wife and I have also established a scholarship at Texas A&M, which is where she went to school. And we give back to the community in that way as well. Wow. And something that I'm noticing, we have a chance to interview a lot of successful people like yourself and they're givers. It's amazing. And I guess it makes sense. They're, they're even coming on the podcast to give. But <laughs> I think there's something to be said about giving and the importance of giving before you go and try to get. Right. That's an interesting way to say. It. I like the way you said that. Mm -hmm. I do think about it in terms of employees and the employer mm -hmm. relationship. Like there is a saying that employees won't know what to give until they know what they get. Mm -hmm. And so if something's like undefined or loosely defined, you really don't have that ability to give your best, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. I think that that's where my wife and I came from on our decisions down that path was mm -hmm. we knew what we were going to get from you know the life we wanted to live. And I think that's important for young people to kind of define that at some level, mm -hmm. right? Because then you know what you can get. Right. And it, it's uh, very much a paradox and it's very circular discussion, mm -hmm. right? If you think too much about it, it can really melt your mind, but yeah. it is something to at least consider. Yeah. That's where I said, yeah. Definitely. Well, I want to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the future of marketing and NFTs. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. I wanted to talk about the future of marketing, and that's just exciting to think about for a person like me. But you had talked about NFTs, and when I hear something new that I haven't heard about, I'm like stoked because I'm like, wait, what? what's going on? I don't want to be that old guy one day like, I don't know what's going What's an NFT? Like, So can you drop game on us here and tell us exactly kind of what an NFT is? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's a non-fungible token. So I want to answer the question quickly, mm -hmm. but I want to give just a bit of context. Okay. I think it's critically important here. Uh -huh. 
when you look back, our companies decided about mm-hmm. 10 years ago that the center of the marketing universe was mm-hmm. the phone. Turns out we're pretty much right, right? Because everybody has one. Everybody carries it with them wherever they go. Mm-hmm. It tracks their travel. It tracks their apps. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen on your phone, but literally you can check the weather, check your scores, check everything. This is all to set up the idea that when we go on vacations or when we now participate in the revenge travel that's going to be part of 2021, I'm looking forward to that, going mm-hmm. on a few vacations, getting away for a few days since we haven't been doing that for a year or more. You show people where you went on your phone, mm-hmm. right? You do things on your phone. You collect videos on your phone. And so NFTs, in my mind, are a logical extension of that, mm-hmm. as well as the idea that there's blockchain technology that can mm-hmm. authenticate. Mm-hmm. So NFT just is the mix of sharing human experience, owning mm-hmm. the experiences that you had and this blockchain technology that identifies who owns something. We've always, as a society, liked to collect things, whether it's yeah. antiques or baseball cards. Mm-hmm. NFTs are just a way for you to collect experiences on your phone. And so the other day, I actually bought my first NFT. What was that, man? It was the DeLorean from Back to the Future. <laughs> okay, so you got a DeLorean. And is this a physical DeLorean or is this an actual like digital It's a DeLorean? digital DeLorean Okay, that I can like, turn around and twist around i can open up you know the delorean doors open up (laughs) on the side and (laughs) if you remember the movie there's the flux capacitor in the back and it actually is fluxing like and then if you remember in the movie you can actually swing the car around you're sitting in the driver's seat and you can look at the places where they chose the dates Mm -hmm. because marty mcfly played by Michael J. Fox, I think it was October 21st, 1985, Mm -hmm. was the travel date. Mm -hmm. And so they were going back. And you can see this in this digital rendition Mm. that I own on my phone, which, you know what? You could own it too. So why is mine different than yours? What makes mine an NFT? Well, they've assigned a limited number of these to be produced. So there's only going to be, let's call it Mm 25,000. And my particular car is, and this is worldwide, Mm -hmm. my particular car is number 34543. Right. which is numerical palindrome, which makes mine special. Or mm-hmm. you can imagine if you had the number one car, mm-hmm. right? Or you had the 5,000, whatever, you know, the magic numbers that, that kind of set up to be something intriguing are key. On April 20th, Tops, who is going public mm-hmm. as part of a reverse merger, so they're going to put a bunch of capital into it, is because this NFT space is exploding. They are going to actually do baseball cards as NFTs. Part mm-hmm. of the reasons baseball cards kind of washed out was because there was just too much production capability. With NFTs, you put everything on the blockchain, so there's a limited number, mm-hmm. and then I can show you on my phone that I own something. And as you look at that space evolve, there's an artist called Beeple. And if you're listening to this podcast, this is where you pause and go check out Beeple. Okay. Because one of his digital creations sold for mm-hmm. $69 million at auction. What? <laughs> 69 million. And it's an NFT. So it's like a digital representation. Okay. Again, it's a Mona Lisa. Right. 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 In the Mona Lisa, you can have a photo in your history book from mm-hmm. back in the day mm-hmm. or on your iPad or on mm-hmm. your wherever. But do you own that? Right. And the mm-hmm. NFT allows for it. And here's the other thing for artists and creators there's a social contract that goes on to some of the NFT purchases because a lot of time it's going to turn this whole thing upside down because yeah. the artist may not make a lot of money in their lifetime, 
mm-hmm. right, for a particular product or project, mm-hmm. but you can put a contract on it that says that future sales of that original work, you get 10%. So let's say the first time you sell the digital work, right, it goes for 50 bucks. And it could actually be Whoa. a physical work too. You can create empties of physical work. But let's say it goes for 50 bucks and you get 10%. That's $5. Well, turns out it goes for 5000 Yeah. And then 500000 It's like art. It appreciates. Right. But in art today, the original artist is not the one mm. who benefits. Mm-hmm. This is why NFTs are going to change that game. Yeah. Okay. So the consumer is as well. Yeah. And here's the other thing too. In that world for musicians and artists, they can maintain the rights. And because the platforms allow for distribution to everybody, you don't have to sell it through iTunes. Mm. You can sell it through your website. My gosh, albums are going to be coming out on And instead of giving, and I have nothing against Apple, so this is not about that, but giving 70% of the profits to them or even 30%, Mm -hmm. you're going to take this, it's going to flip it. Mm. And so artists who are going to want to build that groundswell of support. And so that's why I think just in general, the creative community is going to go into NFTs. And this is a lot like the late 90s, early 2000s with the internet. There are going to be some great companies that succeed and there are going to be some that fail. I don't know how many people remember Netscape. Do you remember them? I remember them, but they're a web browser. They're gone. (laughs) They're gone. They had a great IPO. Yeah. Initial public offering where they went public and they Mm -hmm. got a ton of capital to do their thing. Mm -hmm. But then, and there was even a search engine called Lycos before Google and it wasn't nearly as good. Wow. Right? And so as far as which companies are going to be successful, I don't know, but I do know that blockchain the idea that consumers want to collect and own things Mm -hmm. and nfts that comes together oh yeah there will be a falling out don't get me wrong like Mm -hmm. it's probably getting like to frothy heights right now and there'll be a wave that crashes down Mm -hmm. but it's not going away right it kind of seems far-fetched but at the same time it doesn't because it's a digital product but i feel like we've been purchasing digital products forever so it's nothing new you own something that's on your phone that can't be taken anywhere else right now. Several things, whether that's music. But the difference with this is that it appreciates also, and there's rare limited quantities of it, which makes it more valuable. Is that pretty much how it works? That's very accurate. And Mm -hmm. we're at a very early stage, but it has been around for a couple of years. I, Mm -hmm. I know too that there's going to be a high-end aspect of this. Mm. I'm pretty familiar. I don't have a Ferrari, right? But any car that you're willing to pay a million dollars for, mm-hmm. you probably will get an NFT certificate on it for an extra hundred bucks. Mm. And then you're going to have a, a list of the history of the popular people that have owned the product. Mm-hmm. And so if, I don't know, Tom Brady or Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. owned that car before, mm-hmm. you might be inclined to pay just a little bit more for that car. And has anyone or I should say any celebrities or any influencers have they started using NFTs that you've seen? So what I saw was, and I'm, I'm real sports minded, it's mm-hmm. that Nike history. Rob Gronkowski okay. issued some NFTs from each of the Super Bowls that he won. And they went for, I, I don't have the exact figures, but they mm-hmm. went for a lot more money than probably anybody expected. So now mm-hmm. Tom Brady has a new company that he started with NFTs being the exclusive element of it, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the most valuable NFTs out there right now, the last I checked, it was $1.7 million was of Michael Jordan after a fight in Vegas underneath the stadium where 
one of his bouncers is having some noise with one of the people in the audience. And so Michael moves around the bouncer and talks to the guy in the, in the audience very, very gently, very kindly and says, hey man, I'm here, mm. right? Like, it's okay, it's okay. And you can just see the guy's face just watch. And it's something that somebody filmed on their phone, right? And nobody popular, but it caught the moment. Mm. And so now to be the authentic owner of that video, Somebody's willing to pay 1.7. I don't know what it's been up to right now. I should go check. We should look at it for the final numbers. Maybe yeah. we can get this by the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, but yeah. Isn't that amazing to yeah. think about? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And down that path, I was thinking, so I saw that and I thought, Tom Brady probably has some incredible videos on mm-hmm. his phone mm-hmm. that if he keeps them in very limited supply as part of the NFT. <laughs> oh, gosh. Right? Yeah. How much are people going to be willing to pay for that? And, oh, yeah. and because I think histor- if we go through the, period of time. And I like to think about where are we going to? That's what part of growth is. It used to be your representation of an experience with somebody was that you got a signature, you got an autograph, but then that went away. Why? Because you needed to get the selfie, right? That was a better evidence of you having a shared experience. Mm -hmm. And as we move forward, what better way than the blockchain to validate that you've owned this experience or shared that experience? If I got a good selfie, I would probably want to go get the NFT, Mm. right? Of it from whatever social influencer or superstar that I happen to have an encounter with. Right. Much less to be able to buy the experience seen through the lens of the phone that Tom Brady has or that he was in the locker room after the Super Bowl. Or mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the victory parade where he threw the Super Bowl trophy from one boat to another. Oh. <laughs> Did you see that? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty crazy. Like nobody I think would even think to try that. Yeah. Much less be able to pull it off and he did it impeccably. Well, yeah, when you say it like that, when you think about some of the personal items that they have that no one has seen on their phone or videos that they've captured, those things are of high value. Yes. And that that just makes so much sense. What about stability of something like this? I see the positive, but what do the negatives look like for this? Well, I I think there'll be a washout. Okay. Absolutely. But there are going to be certain things that just like any trading cards had a cycle where they they went up and then they they mm. fell down significantly and now they're they're coming back and kind of reinventing themselves. So as you look at this, the things that will stay that will keep this together are the blockchain, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And then there'll be the, the collectible component. And then I can show you on my phone. It's bragging rights. Like I I own this right. piece of history. If you look at some of the things that are going for Fifty and seventy thousand dollars, like CryptoPunks. Mm-hmm. There's this period right now where you're trying to be part of the OG. You're trying to be the first in on mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and so that that extra hype is going to take it extra higher. But then it's going to splash down, and then it'll it'll keep going. Yep. It's not going away. Mm-hmm. It's just no. the human condition. So mm-hmm. is is one that is going to feed this. It's replacing something. I I think too. It's nothing that's necessarily new. It's replacing the collective, like you said, the baseball card will now be on your phone, you know? And it's a better version because it has video. Uh-huh. And like the, are you familiar with the weekend he played at the Super Bowl? Yes. Do you know they don't pay artists at the Super Bowl? Really? Because the exposure is so huge <sighs> that the NFL has basically said, right? Yeah. But now the weekend launched some NFTs a few weekends ago uh-huh. and on it, it's got music and it's got art and it's got his mm. truth. So he made more on those NFTs. I don't know how much he made, but he made more on those NFTs than he did uh, from terms of what he got paid from the Super Bowl. So I think as an artist, your mind is going to start to shift to how do I build my community? How do I build 
my grassroots because mm-hmm. once I have people that are owning a piece of my puzzle, right? I think that's so so that's powerful. Huge! It opens up a whole another income stream. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we got to talk automotive a little bit. So how will this could potentially translate over into the automotive industry? I do think the high end cars. You're going to find that the NFTs are a way to go, and I really think anybody that has a design to spend more than six figures on a vehicle. So I'm thinking higher end here, Mm -hmm. but certainly seven figure Mm -hmm. people are going to want an electronic transaction. And there are a lot of people like I was thinking about Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, if he bought a car, would I want to know on the blockchain? So I think as your, as your higher end influencers Mm -hmm. get into this space and you can then buy the things that they once had, they'll be that cachet associated with it and so that'll just be self-fulfilling and i do think you know it's just like a title on a car Mm -hmm. i don't think it at this point is for the state or to make sure they collect taxes but i just think it's it's a good way to record the transaction i don't know that it's going to be as big a deal for real estate and property but who am i to say there was a deal there's a website a game if you will called central land Mm -hmm. And somebody paid millions of dollars for Mm -hmm. digital real estate Mm -hmm. and they put it on the blockchain. So there's an NFT of this Mm -hmm. that keeps track of it. So it's a way to keep track of authentically how much something, number one, what it is, Mm -hmm. right? What it was worth and who, if they want to, you don't have to share Mm -hmm. that it's you that bought it. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to, I can imagine a day, I envision a day where we as a society grow into, here is my digital wallet and here is evidence that I was original owner of this, Mm. right? Like I'm going to one day say, this was the DeLorean I bought, my first car, my first NFT, right? right? And so on that launch for that vehicle, they have a life-size one because it's, this will all tie back to virtual reality. And now I think, feel like I'm talking about science fiction, (laughs) (laughs) but um, you you can take it into like Pokemon. Did you ever play Pokemon? Oh, I love Pokemon. That's why I'm tracking with what you're saying. It's because of the Pokemon. Yeah, no, totally. That's it. Like you can make the digital representation manifest in real life. And as such, you're going to be able to, it's all going to start to blur. We're going to be walking around with these Oculus headsets on. If or, I could have had Bulbasaur as a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a yeah, NFT, man. Yeah, know. so if you didn't connect with any of the sports stuff, yeah. think about Pokemon and Pokemon cards and Pokemon Go and right. just like the merging. I still think it all comes back to your phone. Mm. And, the, and the power of it, it's, it's just immense. Is there anything else like you want to add to that NFT that people need to be thinking about? I think- the first I heard of it too, I thought people are, this is insane. Mm-hmm. So I like to be out in front, but I also do my homework and I get in and I experience it. Like I said, I bought the, I bought it. So now I know what it's like to feel that sense of ownership, but then I wait for it to catch and hook and hit with mainstream. And so here's the deal. There was a few weekends ago, a Saturday night live video explaining mm-hmm. NFTs. Mm-hmm. That to me is mainstream. Oh my god! And they've got this setting where they're in the classroom. So they realize it's an educational experience <laughs> and Janet Yellen and the professor are up front of the class mm-hmm. and the students ask a question about NFTs and it turns out that they can't answer it, but the janitor is able to. Mm-hmm. Watch the video, watch it one time the first time for the entertainment value mm-hmm. and then realize the second time that it's brilliantly done mm-hmm. and that it really does explain to you what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And if after watching it a few times, you're like, it's not for me, that's okay. It's that, not for you. It's only for the people with the phones. Oh, what a great way to like learn about this for a Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that's, it's entertaining. Right, yeah, right. Totally. In, a, in a fun way. But you're also, they're also really teaching you what it's about. 
So I have to ask just because you're such a brilliant guy and just have had such such, (laughs) such success in your career. And I know that doesn't define you, but kind of where do you get your information from? Where do you like, do you have any resources that you could share with our audience that have helped you along the way? Maybe books or seminars or anything. Yeah, I'll I'll give you a good life hack Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. has been a lot to me. If you're looking at, I'll say it this way. If you've got something you're doing in the day, but you're thinking about doing something else, Mm -hmm. don't do it on top of what you're doing during the day. Mm -hmm. It's a bad look for you. It's a bad look for your company, your your situation. But that time that's yours between 7.30 and 10.30 at night, Mm -hmm. go find a way to maximize whatever you're considering into a place where it generates enough revenue that it can replace that day job that you want to get away from. Mm. Right? When you, because it's hard to get started. And here's how I'm going to help you turn the three hours that I'm advocating for you to mm. look at and learn about during that 7.30 to 10.30. Mm-hmm. There's so much incredible information on YouTube. Mm. Watch it at 2X. Mm. Okay? So I just turned three hours into six hours of content collection. And <laughs> as soon as I do that time. about things I care about and that I'm interested in, yeah. then you can't stop me. There's yeah. no way. I'm, right. I'm on my way and it's going to happen. And that's really how I've evolved into different places and different spaces in time. Yeah, but I got to watch a few seasons of my Netflix show and that might interrupt. <laughs> that <laughs> well, might I'm, interrupt my growth. I'm willing to share it, with you some cool that, shows I'm watching. Yeah, but, but I mean, what do you say? Because I, I get that a lot. Like, yeah, I get off work, but I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I want to, you know, I want to watch TV, that kind of thing. But they also want to transition out of the job that they're in. But did you have to actually even do that yourself at while you were transitioning to start your own business? I don't know that I have the right answer for this, but mm-hmm. I just know that that's where we are today. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and, and as far as like starting my business, it came out of a place of loss. Right. Mm. I lost a job during the downturn. Mm. And so I wanted to be more responsible personally to future success or failure. See, I was cool. And that's a funny thing about success. It looks a lot like success on the top, Mm. but underneath there's so many failures that occur. And I'm, I'm actually very comfortable with losing and gaining experience. I'm also very comfortable with winning. I don't think at this point it changes me that much anymore. Yeah. But when you keep losing, it's not about the losing. It's like, am I getting better? Am I making the adjustments? Am I changing? Mm. Right. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people who get caught up in the dynamic that they're in, it's not that they don't like what they have, but they don't know what they want. And mm-hmm. so that's why I'm saying if you between 730 and 1030, you don't get tired. I'm just telling you, you mm-hmm. don't get tired if you get excited about something. Mm. Right? I think that's the key right there. Yeah. If you're excited about it. Can't stop me. Right. Can't stop me. I will go and I will get it done Mm -hmm. because I am enjoying it. I'm motivated by it. I see the opportunity in it. I see the future in it. And it helps, like I said, if it helps the community grow, Mm -hmm. it helps me grow and it's ecologically correct and it helps Mm -hmm. client grow, I am game on. And that's why I think NFTs gets me so excited because I can see the growth and I'm excited about what it's going to do for the artist community. Yeah. Right. Who Mm -hmm. I think has taken some hits because I don't know if you've seen Dave Chappelle's interview where he talks about how in his early days, he signed a contract with Comedy Central that gave away his likeness, mm. right, in perpetuity across the universe. Mm. Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. As talented and amazing if you've seen his stuff, mm-hmm. he's brilliant, but all the stuff that's being done, he's getting no syndication. And yeah. so the reason he's doing stuff with Netflix is because he brought this up to Netflix and Netflix said, 
we're not going to share your stuff, but would you mind doing this for us? And so he's doing some stuff for them. But can you imagine the 20 something you mm. signing away your likeness in perpetuity across the universe? That's not cool. Gosh, no. It's not cool. And so I think, how do you adjust to a new d- dynamics and a reshaped time and a reshaped mm-hmm. really experience? Mm-hmm. And that that's exciting. And yeah. When you look at all the changes that are going on right now, there has never been personally a better time to make those changes. Mm. But you got to pay the bills. Yeah. Right. You got to got to take care of business. And mm-hmm. and if you can't do seven thirty to ten thirty p.m. for whatever reason, I mean, I just read Mamba Mentality by Kobe Bryant. You know what mm. his deal is? Most NBA players, and he started when he was eighteen, would actually start their workout at ten a.m., eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. Right? Because. Mm-hmm. And then they might go eat and hydrate and lift, and then they mm. come back and do another workout at 2 or 3 p.m. His deal was he started his first one at 5, and then he did his second one at 8, and then he went to practice at 11. So most other teammates, I misspoke there, would go to practice at 11 and then do a workout at 2. Mm. He said, do you realize at some point they were never going to keep up, and then at some point they were never going to catch up? Because he was going 5, 8, practice 11, and 2. Mm-hmm. His teammates are doing eleven and two. So it's He's literally getting twice as much work. In. Yeah, it's that where you talked about the bears beating that the slowest person, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of the same concept. Yeah, for right, sure. right. Is there anything else that you want to highlight? No, I just appreciate what you're doing for the city of Houston and mm-hmm. the community here, and awesome. I really do like to help people and companies grow. It, it's my sweet spot, and so. Mm-hmm. When I heard you had a podcast about growth, I was all in and anything I can do to support you and that continued growth, just let me know. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for coming out. And it seems like you're still that same guy who went into that interview and said, hey, I will outwork anybody. And it seems like that still is living with you today. Yeah, that's kind of where I am with a lot of clients we have now because I really don't want to work for clients that don't get it. That was the thing at Nike. Like, Mm. if you don't get it, and life's too short, man. Yeah. It is. Well, this has been a great interview, man. And I have to have you back because we only had a tip of an iceberg conversation today. But I hope to have you back for another episode, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Ray, we'd love to have you on our podcast as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of B2B Growth Hacks. Considering you made it this far, we'd love to hear your feedback. So be sure to leave us a rating and subscribe to this podcast on your platform of choice keep up to date on the latest episodes, news, and updates. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time on B2B Growth Hacks.